0: Hi everyone, welcome to the next episode of the Bay Street Capital Holdings podcast titled How'd You Do It and Why Should I Care? This series aims to highlight women doing amazing work in various industries. So today we are so lucky to be joined by she- Shelly Sporin who is CEO and founder of Infinite Branches. Hi Shelley, lovely to have you on the show.
1: It's such an honor and a privilege to be here. Thank you for including me in this conversation.
0: That's awesome. So I'm so excited to get to know you better. Let's start off first with an introduction and an answer to the question of the whole podcast, which is how do you do it and why should I care?
1: Ooh, that's a really great question. And I think if we're targeting an audience of young women and women who are out and in their industries now, I think this is completely wonderful to be able to share with everyone. I have been In the workforce, I graduated from college in 1992 from the University of Oregon, majored in finance, minored in economics and Scandinavian studies. And I went out into the big world with all of these exciting ideas of what it would be like to be a woman in finance. And I found out as I looked around the room, there weren't a lot of people that looked like me. And what I found, along the way to where I am today, working in both aviation as well as finance, there's still not a lot of women there. Mm. So my goal is, is to not say you shouldn't do it because there's not a lot of women out there. You should do it because you have an opportunity to meet some really amazing women and encourage others along the way.
0: Oh, that's such an inspirational and motivating reason to do what you're doing. So I'm kind of curious, actually, what really inspired you to join this industry? And was it a specific point in your life or was it a combination of experiences? You know, I, my, I turned 50 last
1: fall and I look back on my life and I think, gosh, I I, I never could have planned to be where I am. And that is what life is about. Sometimes you make choices and decisions that you can never see coming along. For me, I was actually always amazed and intrigued by aviation at a young age. My father is a Marine colonel, retired from active duty, but he flew helicopters. So ever since I could walk, I could toddle. I was in helicopters, I was in hangars, I was looking at logbooks and records. In fact, my dad and his colleagues, whenever I had the opportunity to go to a flight simulator, I was there and they would allow me to, you know, hold, hold the, the wheel and, and just get engaged and see what I could do. But I never saw it as a part of my career. I thought I would go out into the world and, be involved in finance in some way, shape, or form. I always loved banks. I was always fascinated by foreign currency. I wanted to travel. I really enjoyed the whole concept of purchasing power parity. Uh, And I thought that's what I would do. But along the way, I became involved as a regulator for the FDIC at a young age, right out of college during the savings and loan crisis, and I went to Silicon Valley Bank right as they were coming out of a regulatory order, and I got to see finance from a whole new perspective, and I really enjoyed the clients I was working with, but I put my hand up in the air. We had, at the time, with Silicon Valley Bank, they had started this great wine lending niche, and i thought that was it that's for me i'm going to figure out a way to get on that team and i did and later on i decided i really wanted to go out and work for corporations in their finance department and really hone that aspect of my of my skill set and what i did from there when my sons were very young i created a small consulting firm And I worked with a bank that I would later spend close to 17 years of my life with. Yes. First of all, analyzing whether or not they should become involved in lending to wineries and vineyards. And then I joined them full time. And I segued into working with our clients in New York that were focused on lending in the art Realm as well as hedge funds because I had a little bit of an experience in those industries. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: In 2006, my former boss joined the um, the organization that I worked for, and I was bugging him every single time I saw him. I wanted to know how do you do this, you know? What do I need to know about? And we'd have these great conversations, and he would say, "Let me know if you're interested in working on any of the transactions." And he had called me out of the blue and said, I could use whatever help you have, because my underwriter left for three weeks to go to Australia in the middle of a deal. Yeah. So I I said, yes, it turns out it was one of the clients in New York that I had worked with serendipitous. Yes, it was meant to be. And I said, I know all about this client but I don't know about the collateral. I don't know about this industry. So the only way I will work on this is if you teach me about the industry. So I had to go from being a toddler to being in my thirties to get to the point where I had the opportunity to work in the dynamic world of business aviation in a financial capacity. And that's how I got involved in doing it. It was a series of wonderful serendipitous events, but as I like to say to a lot of the the people who I've mentored over the years, remember this, A, B, C, always be curious. Mm -hmm. And that leaves you open to putting your hand up, taking the risk And taking on opportunities as they come, even if at the time they don't seem like they will be big. So in 2007, I started working in the aviation industry and I was filled with questions like you wouldn't believe because I knew nothing is going to be as I initially think it's going to be. So I just have to empty my mind, understand that I'm going to make mistakes, but it was an opportunity to grow.
0: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So it seems like you kind of obviously had that outreach opportunity initially and you had a lot of exposure to the aviation um, investment industry, which is quite niche, I would say. So what would you say were the best resources that helped you along in your journey?
1: I think one of the the best resources was something that I possessed myself, which was the ability to be tenacious in my fact finding. Mm -hmm. and It's just that level Mm -hmm. of curiosity to say, I don't know what I don't know. So help me understand what I need to know because I want to do this the right way. I want to learn how to do things, um, you know, as they arrive. And that forced me to make email and phone relationships with people who had never met me, didn't know my story, didn't know what I was capable of, who had on the other side of the phone, been in the industry for years. And so there's there's a bit of reverence, there's a bit of humility, mm-hmm. and there's a bit of confidence that goes into it as well. And all of those things work together over time as you're as you're going out into the workforce and you're building your reputation, those are some great skills and building blocks to take with you mm-hmm. whenever you approach something new. Everyone has been in a situation where they've done something for the very first time. And understanding that these great people who you have the opportunity to speak with, they've been where you are at some point in their career. And that humanizes the relationship that you have with them.
0: For sure. And um, obviously, you know, tapping into your network and speaking to people, as you mentioned, who have already been in the industry, super helpful resource when you're starting out. But um, were there any lessons that, you know, nobody mentioned to you or that you wish you would have known before starting off in the aviation investment industry?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. I don't think anything can really prepare you for it. Sometimes you just have to dive in and and just figure out, okay. Things are going to change. What I will say, in an industry that is so subject to regulation, both in the U.S. as well as abroad, Mm. it's great to build out your resources. What COVID has done extraordinarily well, we're having conversations with people on webinars. There's town halls. There's access Mm -hmm. Two communities if you look for them online now. And I hope that that stays around as the world starts to open up again. Yeah. But if anyone has a great sense of what they should look at, if they're curious about the aviation industry and they can only pick one site to bookmark, I would say definitely go to Corporate Jet Investor because it branches out in so many different aspects. And they're fun, they're based in the UK, so it's got a very British wit to it, but they are—they do have presences throughout the world. And so they come at it as at a very human, a very global industry. And even if you're not interested in the aviation world, If you're interested in other industries, look for that. You can can reach out to people on LinkedIn. It's amazing to me the number of people who I've connected with during the pandemic. that I had no idea existed, but because I wanted to build out my community and my network, they were really open to learning more about what I do and vice versa.
0: Mm, that's awesome. So thinking about sort of the span of your career actually, what would you say was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it?
1: Well, I have a funny story on failure first of all, before we get to my own debacles. Um, there's a couple of things I'd love to share with the audience. When I was young younger, Almost <laughs> half my age ago, in my, in my mid to late 20s, I, when I was working for Silicon Valley Bank up in the Pacific Northwest in Portland, Oregon, we were at the team that I worked with, we were attending an industry event, and I did a double take. The gentleman who was sitting two tables over was Phil Knight, the CEO and founder of Nike. Wow. Bring Phil Knight out to an event unless you're giving him an award. And like a pro, it was unbelievable to see him get up and accept his award. And he said something rather profound to me that I wish I would have really taken to heart at that point in time. I didn't understand it in the way that he was describing it in the way that I do today. Mm he said his greatest lesson in life was, was essentially failure because it caused him to rethink what he was doing right, what he could do better to learn and grow from it. There've been a lot of studies over the past few years that you learn more when you make a mistake mm. and then you fail. Mm. And for me, it took me a long time to get to that point where I could embrace failure as an opportunity rather than as a negative. Mm -hmm. And and people ask, what would you tell your younger self? That's exactly what I would say. It's such an unbelievable opportunity to learn, to grow and to support those around you, to show humility, to show respect for the process and to have it be a part of your journey. One of the things that I would say is is one of my biggest failures was that I always believed that I had to be perfect. Mm. And we get wrapped up in our minds that, yes, I must be perfect 100% of the time. But when you do not allow yourself to take a step back and say, "How how can I do things better? It impacts everyone on your team around you that you're not flexible, that you're not willing to learn, that you're not willing to grow, that you're not willing to see a different perspective. And I would say one of my greatest failures that caused me to take a step back and grow from it was initially meeting a former colleague of mine who's become a very dear friend. When she was brought on board and she brought a wealth of experience it was never fully delineated what roles we would be portraying. And it impacted our relationship on the team.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: it, and it created this situation that didn't allow our team to be at its best. And ultimately, we all suffered until we hit a point where this isn't working, and I I did what Brene Brown would say, which was I took the armor off and I started leaning into the pain and discomfort of not being perfect
0: mm-hmm.
1: and listening. And when you have that ability to be vulnerable, to be humble, that's when you can grow. And our relationship flourished once we had that meeting. It, it seems so simple now, but I had to hit that point. And it's something that I share with others on my journey as I move forward and I look to the possibilities of what each relationship that I encounter in my career and in my personal life can bring.
0: Mm, that's so so important and thank you for sharing that as well and also your experience with Phil Knight as well that's actually quite awesome I'm not gonna lie
1: (laughs) yeah
0: um so you have been dropping lots of great pieces of advice throughout this whole conversation but I'm just wondering what would be one piece of advice you would give somebody who was starting their career in the investment management industry and especially in the aviation sector of this
1: be a sponge be a sponge. Mm-hmm. Don't take anything at at face value. If somebody brings up a topic on your call or whatever you are doing, however you're interacting, go research it. Mm-hmm. Come prepared. Excite people about wanting to work with you. You know, yeah. the relationships between mentors and mentees, what I've always thought about, and as I'm I'm getting ready to help. Another organization that I sit on the board of, launch a mentorship program. I've, I've always tried to think about how do I make myself the best mentee? Why should somebody be interested in investing their time and their energy into me? How can I support them? Likewise, some of the best mentor mentee relationships I've ever been involved in is where there's this beautiful give and take where both people learn and grow from it. And that's what I tell other people. Reverse mentorship is so important. Mm. You know, I know, I know what it's like to be me. Yeah. But I can't see what's coming behind me. If I simply focus on everything that I know. So I need to build people into my network who can help me see 360 degrees. And that means not just looking to the people who've been there and done it before me, but listening to the people who are coming up in their careers, because they're going to come with a different perspective. They've grown up in a different way than I have. They have different experiences. And if I don't tap into that, then I'm not going to be able to grow my business.
0: Mm, That's such an important message. And then finally, sort of about your career. What is one common myth about the investment management industry in general that you would like to debunk?
1: That there's only one seat at a large table for women. Mm. What? I find really valuable is that women need to invest in building relationships with other women and take the opportunity to find ways to support women. And it's not just showing up and it's not just clapping at something that's posted on LinkedIn. It's really being there for them. Think of every opportunity to work with another woman as an experience meant to build a relationship over time. That is what I'm doing today. That's part of why my organization, Infinite Branches, will be successful. It's because we think in terms of not transactions, but relationships. Mm-hmm. Those relationships that you build built may not result in closing a transaction today, tomorrow, a year from now. But those relationships will sustain you They will give you an opportunity to see the world in a different way, and what you will have at the end of the day is people who are invested in your growth, in your success, and looking forward to making the industry that you work in a richer industry.
0: Mm, that's awesome so kind of following on from that actually um you mentioned a lot of people in your life who have been very influential to you but who are three people I know I'm sorry it has to be down to three but who (laughs) are three people in your life who've been the most influential to you oh
1: if we're talking about career wise Mm. um I would say One of my favorite people who I've worked with at Silicon Valley bank, who's just an amazing human being. It's a gentleman by the name of Tim Harden. He taught me how to view things in a different way that would always cause me to think and go back and research and want to learn more. And anytime somebody can stimulate you in that way to to make you realize in a really positive and uplifting way that there's more to the world out there than what you can see, that's invaluable. Mm. Um I have to say, my husband, who we've, we're coming up on 28 years of marriage, 30 years yes. together, he is my true partner in life. And he complements everything that I do. And he can Gently direct me in a way that nobody else can. We truly do complement each other. And I I will have to say this too: my immediate prior boss, Jim Simpson, did have a tremendous impact on my career. Mm -hmm. He advocated for me to attend industry events to participate in the aviation industry. Sometimes the budget wasn't there for the company to pay for it so i would pay out of my own pocket but he completely supported my decision to travel to invest in myself and become somebody who others want to talk to in the
0: industry wow that's awesome and then sort of finally to wrap up our conversation what is one piece of advice that you wish you gave yourself at any point in your life I think it goes
1: back to the whole concept of failure and Dr. Sarah Elizabeth Lewis. uh, She speaks very profoundly about this in her book, the rise. And I, I read a lot. I read a ton, but this book impacted me. It truly touched my soul. And what one should always focus in on is not just those individual successes. You are not defined by success, which is a single point in time, but you should think towards mastery, which is a career and how you want to develop it over time. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend to anyone not just always be curious, but play the long game with your career and always remember. There are people who've come before you. There will be people who come behind you. Make sure that you integrate both into who you are and the importance with which you, you you seek to build a career.
0: Awesome. What lovely advice to end on. Thank you so much again, Shelley, for taking the time to speak with me today. It was lovely to hear your story and to also learn more about you.
1: It was such a pleasure, Leila. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye.